I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help. With the aid of my favorite wrestling show, this is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start, and current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, the episode of NXT that originally aired on March 6th, 2014, kicks off a brand new era. New theme song, new champion, and most importantly, a bunch of weird people tripping on acid. Yeah. Welcome to episode 42 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. We are still riding the high from our last episode, in which we covered NXT Arrival with the one and only Lindsay Kelk. It was amazing. It was. I got all the romance, all the wrestles. I was happy for a week after that recording. So good. Fortunately, uh, being high puts us in pretty good company for this episode, which features, among other things, the NXT debut of Adam Rose. I imagine Bob has some thoughts (laughs) on this new character. I do. (laughs) And we will hear about those along with everything else on this episode in Bob's breakdown. After that, we'll take our trip to the next level, man. Thanks to the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling, we'll get blazed on one of Bob's dankest fanfics. It's pretty dank. It's pretty dank. (laughs) I have it on good authority. And we'll grapple with some of our demons in wrestling term of the week. And finally, as we start to come down, we'll finish things up with a nice, relaxing, cheap pop quiz. You know, in drugs, they sometimes call that a parachute. We actually didn't have a cheap pop quiz on our last episode, so we don't have any answers to go into, which means it's time to just jump right in to Bob's Breakdown. Well, we get the new opening credits for NXT, and it has Cesaro with a title card on it, and it just makes me really sad that you've rung the bell for him, and that we're (laughs) not going to get him back. But he's got a title card, and I'm happy for him. Yeah, very weird to see him appear in the intro, despite the fact that I know for a fact he never shows up again. <laughs> Maybe they thought he was going to be back, and that's why Maybe. they did it, and and they just didn't know. Because, I mean, making the title credits is a separate endeavor to planning the show itself, and I can that's see true. that perhaps in the WWE, and indeed many organizations... There are struggles to communicate clearly between units of an organization. I think that's a fair assessment for how WWE tends to operate. There are some failures in communication along the way sometimes. So Adrian Neville, our new champion, comes out and he's up against Camacho and he's really setting a tone for his tenure as champion. Puts out a hand and then when Camacho refuses, he's like, shake my hand, damn it. And Camacho is going, I don't want to touch that hand. It's probably covered in baby oil or whatever it is you're covered in. And like, uh, fair point. So by the third, (laughs) shake my hand. Camacho just kicks Neville in the stomach because he's done with this conversation. Neville bounces back, though. No, literally, he bounces like the little (laughs) nimble hobbit that he is until Sears manager Camacho finds his inner Gandalf and is like, you fool of a toque, and just slaps the shit out of Neville's chest. He gets in a good slam of Neville right through the mat, but Neville is just too tukish for words. He does a drop kick from above and then the red arrow to finish off Camacho. And something magical happens. Renee Young comes out to interview Neville about what this championship victory at arrival was like. And Neville, I got so angry at myself. I was furious because... Neville is more charming than, and I sat there for 30 minutes trying to think of what it was that Neville was more charming than, but he is more charming than anything or anyone has ever been before. And so I just gave up and was like, well, fuck it. He's just the charmingest. This promo is amazing. Like we thought we knew what the word charming meant, but it was a, (laughs) 
a pale understanding compared to the burning hot sun of charmingness that is Adrian Neville. He is sweetly self-deprecating about his perfect yeah. hobbit ears, his beautiful Jordy accent, and the crowd is like, you're so charming. <laughs> they don't do that, but they should have fucking done that. There's no point to this segment except for the fact that Neville's the greatest. We love him. There's no more bow. That's the real victory. And he says, you know, there's no more bow. And okay, I've watched some wrestles now. Yes. I know what the rule is. <laughs> All wrestling rings are fairy summoning circles. You can step into one, <laughs> say someone's name, and it summons them. And that's how it works every time. So Bo wants a rematch soon because Neville never pinned him. He outclimbed him, and that's not doing a wrestle. So until the wrestle belt is resolved with wrestles, it barely even counts. And also, I appreciate the fact that Bo Dallas said that Neville climbed a ladder like a dad cleaning the gutters. As though there wasn't a bunch of fighting involved previously, which is traditionally right. not how dads clean the gutters, but fair enough. Right. All right. So backstage, Emma is being interviewed by Renee and saying, essentially, good game. Both teams played well. I'll be a champ someday. I mean, right. have you seen my dance moves? And then right. Ric Flair shows up and says that the next NXT Women's Champion is going to be Charlotte. So, okay, aggressive sports dad. And then Charlotte shows up sarcastically, I think, offering a shoulder to cry on after Emma's loss. And Emma just smiles and then little hand jab and Emma takes off and the flares are like, oh, she's totally off her game now. And Ric Flair does a little tiny victory woo, but is like when your dog is just excited and pleased about some turn of events, but doesn't want to make too big a deal out of it. And so your dog <laughs> just goes, I don't know if your dog does that. This is what my dog does. Uh, my dog makes many noises, but none of them are <laughs> subtle or understated. So probably not. <laughs> so then backstage, Ric Flair still on a bullying streak. Guess that's a yeah. theme. Now just coming to bully Paige and Charlotte joins in and Paige and Charlotte talk to each other from like six inches apart so that we know they mean business. And um, basically Charlotte's going to beat Paige at some point. Dot, dot, dot. Now match two. Emma versus Charlotte. The crowd is hot for Emma. Sasha is on the outside. Summer Rae is also on the outside for <laughs> a given value of that term. Sasha Banks is holding on a popsicle stick or a tongue depressor a picture of Summer Rae's face that has been cut out so that way it is like die cut. I mean badly die cut, but die right. cut. And it looks bizarre and cheap and a little bit creepy and i really fucking loved it i loved it <laughs> so much a lot of things in this episode i was like what the fuck this is amazing <laughs> this fallout show got me emma and charlotte they do a lot of good good technical wrestles matt wrestles hold for hold wrestles the crowd is chanting better than pizza i don't know if that's i don't think that's what they were chanting but i couldn't tell what they were chanting <laughs> This match was better than pizza, I, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, but you famously have, like, people have gotten <laughs> enraged at you for your opinions on pizza. Like, there was almost a fight <laughs> that people wanted to have with you regarding pizza. So I feel like your stance on this, it's a real your mileage may vary. That's the match fair. was good. I, don't I have hot know. takes about pizza. Yeah. I have hot, whirling, circular takes about pizza. Um... <laughs> I will say what they were saying was better than Batista. Oh, that makes way more sense than pizza. Yeah, that's the chant that Emma got at Arrival when she hit Paige with that powerbomb, which is oh. Batista's signature move. So that's that's just a callback to Arrival. I got to ask, Miles, why is Charlotte doing technical wrestles when earlier her whole thing was doing gymnastics? I got theories, but I want to hear for realsies. We're going to talk about technical wrestling, actually, uh, in today's wrestling term of the week. Spoiler okay. alert. But suffice it to say that technical wrestling isn't something that everybody can do believably. And so if you can do it believably, you might want to show it off a little bit. The company might want you to show it off a little bit because it's something that a lot of people really like. Mm -hmm. um, beyond that, it seems like she's more comfortable in the ring. And yeah. she's a heel now, so it's harder to get away with, like, the fun gymnastic stuff when you're mm. a heel. However, I also do think the biggest factor is that 
they're pushing her as the daughter of Ric Flair. Because he was around for her debut, but like Ric Flair hasn't really shown up to promote her in a while. Yeah. And they're really kind of doing a thing where it's like, no, she's Ric Flair's daughter. She's good at this. And as I'll discuss a little bit later on in wrestling, a lot of the time when you say she's good at this, she's good at wrestling. Mm-hmm. What that usually correlates to is being good at technical wrestling. Oh, OK. Was Ric Flair a technical wrestler? Yes, he's considered by many to be the greatest ever. Oh, I have never seen a Ric Flair match, so I have yeah, no Yeah, we're going to change that sometime soon. Okay. So in all this grappalicious action, Charlotte chances going to the ropes, comes down awkwardly, and now Charlotte's leg is injured. And Emma backs away because the ref thinks that wounds are like red wines. You have to give them time to breathe. <laughs> and Sasha gets Emma's attention because Sasha is on the outside and Emma turns and then Charlotte hits Emma with something. A stunner? I don't know. A thing where Emma's face meets the mat. And Charlotte pins her for the win. (gasps) What a heel. I screamed. I was very unhappy. It is one of the early iterations of um, what will become her finishing move, which I believe is currently called Bow Down to the Queen. Mm. Um, At one point, it was called Natural Selection, I think. Okay. Emma's like on her hands and knees, and Charlotte does a flip over her and grabs her head on the way down, slamming Emma's face into the mat. It looked really good. I was very impressed. I was like, oh, dang, Charlotte's been doing practices. I thought it looked fantastic, and I loved the... I love the storyline. Like we said, you know, they're doing the Ric Flair's daughter thing with her. And so, you know, why not have her fake an injury Yeah, uh, so that she can get the advantage? Oh, what a heel. Backstage, Sami Zayn has emotions. He has (laughs) all of them. We'll circle back to this later. Match three. Corey Graves is going to fight Yoshitatsu. He gets on the mic to complain that he wasn't invited to NXT arrival, which is like, oh, that's kind of rude. You don't like go and say, I wasn't invited to this party and I'm pissed about it now. So right. also something's been sticking in his craw and it's the fact that people are talking about Sami Zayn. He hasn't even won that many matches. He just has heart. And then I was like, oh, tough, but a little fair. Yeah. And the match starts and Corey Graves is like, nah, I don't care. And he walks away. Then he slows down, comes back to the ring. And then goes, nah, classic shitty cat behavior. (laughs) And Tatsu is having none of it. He goes to the outside to attack Graves, who just wipes him out and then leaves Tatsu on the outside to be counted out. Bell goes, Graves wins the match. Then Graves drags Tatsu into the ring to apply a post-match submission so he can extra win. And then Sammy comes out and he scares Graves out of the ring and is like, "Uh, you don't even go to this school. No, that's not what he says. He says, I didn't know we had a problem. And I was like, yeah, no shit. I didn't even know you. Yeah, nobody two, knew. Yeah, you two didn't know each other as far as I could tell. Like, <laughs> I don't think you had ever met. But yeah, they've never interacted on the show before. No, but, you know, Zane, generous lover that he is, ready to go to town on Graves if that's what he sure. wants. <laughs> All Graves had to do was ask. Right. Okay, I got to ask, Miles. Would you rather have Corey Graves... Still wrestling. Obviously, I know that he's had an injury and no longer is able to do that. Mm. But do you prefer Corey Graves, the wrestler or Corey Graves, the commentator? Or in your world, would you like, is there a third option, please? In NXT, Mm -hmm. I strongly prefer Corey Graves, the commentator. Interesting. Uh, When he gets on commentary in NXT, I think he does an absolutely amazing job. That is I'm um, something to look forward to. I mean, not to his injury. I don't want yeah. him to be injured, but I am very interested in what a Corey Graves commentary that's stellar sounds like. I'm pretty sure he replaces Alex Riley. And oh, well, the, di- the difference is it's, but it's not it's not just that the difference is staggering. Like, it's really he becomes one of the better announcers I've ever heard on NXT. Wow. Uh, and then he goes to the main roster and mm. um, gets Vince McMahon in his ear and becomes oh. one of the worst announcers I've ever seen. Oh, no. So currently, I would rather have Corey Graves back as a wrestler just because I can't stand listening to him anymore. But there was a time when I was super into Corey Graves commentator. Okay, I'm glad to know that there is a period where he is, you know, a, a shining star of this. 
the overarching lesson of NXT, and we're going to learn this lesson again and again and again, <laughs> is that there are beautiful, good, fantastic things that we get to enjoy until they go to the main roster and then they go to shit. All right. Backstage. Well, backstage ish. We're at a party. It's the kind of party where they can't show drugs. So to make up for that, they're showing people in wigs and quote unquote crazy costumes, which is, I'm assuming, intended to imply drug use because the only person who would ever put on like fairy wings is definitely somebody on acid. It's meant to evoke a rave feeling. And I think that's also meant to imply drug use. That's not, as far as I'm aware, not what raves look like, but okay. Shh. <laughs> it was the rave they could have on the budget they have so anyway adam rose is in the corner of this club long hair flowing chewing gum dancing on a low table everything you know is about to change people the adam rose experience is coming to nxt i'm so happy i'm so <laughs> happy and then we go backstage and it's Xavier Woods who feels like shit because Rusev is a mean bastard and Xavier Woods is like, I'm going to fight him again and this time I'm going to win and I'm going, no, don't do it. And I know he's not in charge. He's not in charge of booking, but I'm like, stop mm-hmm. it. Because then they go to Rusev and Lana. Rusev speaks Bulgarian and then uh, Renee asks Lana, okay, what does that mean? And Lana just says, oh yeah, he accepts the match. And now I'm just going, why are we pushing Rusev? But we are pushing Rusev specifically by fighting Xavier Woods. That's the only thing we're establishing is how good Rusev is at beating Xavier Woods. It's the strangest thing. And Woods is good. Like, there's, I'm yeah. not saying that it makes Rusev look bad. I'm saying... It is inscrutable and annoying, and I'm over it, and I was over it the first time it happened. I don't blame you for that. It's hard to avoid the racist of it all as well. And and especially because it's not the first time that WWE has done this thing where it's like, oh my god, look at this unstoppable force of nature. Watch him beat up a black guy ten times. Like, it's, it's really not great. No, and it's just like, it's because they can't stand to, like, let a black person have nice things in WWE. I mean, until very recently. And even then, let's say unevenly, that's the case. Yeah, ironically, Xavier Woods would go on to become one of the black people in WWE. He got to have the nicest things, but uh, that doesn't change anything about how they operate. Yeah. The fact that he's so fucking talented that he's he was able to succeed in the face of overwhelming odds with the help of his friends who also are unbelievably talented doesn't change the fact that those odds are there and he had to overcome them. Bingo. And other people don't get to. There's so many talented fucking people of color and WWE is like, but nah, what about this one white guy? And I'm like, I'm bored. Stop it. Match four. Adam Rose and his entourage dance to the stage to this fabulously poppy chorus that I can't really do, but the lyrics are, oh, 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 (laughs) and the crowd is already going, this is awesome, and they are correct. It absolutely is. Wesley Blake, local cowboy, is taking him on. Blake's like... I reckon I ought to knock you one. And Rose gets in the ropes. And each time Blake approaches him, Rose just seesaws on the middle rope to kick his legs up. It's so cheeky and it's great. There's not a lot of meat on this particular bone. Adam Rose beats Blake with what used to be his cricket slice. His hair looks fucking gorgeous. It does. I do also want to say, I think that he slimmed down like by 20 pounds. And he looks a lot fitter. And I don't want to say like in a good way. I don't I don't think that's the way I want to phrase this, but like certainly looks more like somebody who has done a lot of party drugs. Yeah, I wonder if he did some like deliberate body shaping sort of for the role, because I know that the character is is essentially a direct riff on Russell Brand. Oh, God, he is now that you say that. So I wonder if he if like he used some of his time off TV to sort of like re-sculpt himself in the way that athletes and actors can do sometimes. Which Um, is bad for the human body and you shouldn't do it. Yes. All right, match five. Corey Graves comes out and then Sami Zayn, who is just the best. 
the purest doggo while simultaneously being the kind of hot that is approachable, which makes you think he could love me. Sammy Zane could find me lovable. No <laughs> one correct me on this. I want to believe, damn it. This so. is basically the conversation that Sharon and I had when we were watching this over again. She was talking <sighs> about how Corey Graves is the guy that she would have like wanted to talk to when she was 17 because she thought he was hot. But then she would spend two seconds talking to him and be like, ew, no. Mm. And then Sammy Zane, uh, well, Let's just say that that uh, Sami Zayn was compared favorably to me, so I felt pretty Aww, good after that. Oh, that's really nice. Damn, yeah, right? confidence booster there. I mean, she didn't marry me, so I guess you know <laughs> that was a pretty big confidence booster. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll be legally responsible for your ass for the rest of life. <laughs> I mean, we have, we have a child together now. There's no there's no taking it back. <laughs> So some grapples happen and then that trio of arm drag spots that I really enjoy. And then Zane does a Neville. Graves is on the outside like, fuck, this Zane guy is pretty good. And Zane teases that he's going to do that flip to the outside. And then he mm-hmm. turns it into a backflip, butt bounce off that top rope to land on one knee, arms outstretched like, are you not entertained? And everyone's like, ah, I'm so entertained. He did the thing. <laughs> he did the thing. And aside... <laughs> Graves has new tights, and if at age 22 I saw a guy in those tights, I would 100% have been scheming to go, now how do I get this guy out of these tights? And I wanted to say, it's really good to be out of my 20s. It's really nice. (laughs) If you, dear listener, in your 20s, hang in there. It gets better. Your 30s are much better. Say it loud for the people in the fucking back, because... Thirties oh are better than twenties by so much. So it's not much. even fun. It's not even close. It's not even close to being close. Yeah, the people, the old people who tell you that your twenties are like the prime of your life, or that your teen years are the prime of your life, Fuck are full of shit. shit. They Fuck are lying. Shit. I have it on good authority that your forties are also freaking excellent. So, oh god, uh, I hope so because I'm not too far away. <laughs> Back to the match. Graves is just working on Zane's shoulder or neck. I don't know. The area of the body that when it hurts, you're super pissed about it. One of those. Yeah. Graves does a backbreaker on Zane and just oof. Zane <laughs> manages to offer a crossbody and then his powerbomb, the blue thunderbomb. And Graves kicks out like the guy who just doesn't know when to quit in the mosh pit and fuck that guy. The ending is super fun, though. Zane does that inexplicable handhold where you sort of like lovingly support your fight bay as they walk along the top rope. Graves is supporting Zane and then pulls Zane off onto Graves' shoulders. Being slung around someone's shoulders like a misplaced lamb is like rarely a good sign in wrestling. But Zane wriggles, pulling Graves down with him and rolling him up into this tangly little ball of limbs. But Graves' shoulders are down for three and them's the rules. So sexy Airbud wins. That's right. And Graves was probably upset. I don't know. I wasn't looking. Yay, Sammy. Yeah, he was mad. He was real mad about it. Oh, well. That's how it goes sometimes. Them's the breaks. If you call out Airbud, you're going to get punked. <laughs> you're going to get dunked on. Absolutely. Pretty decent Graves match when you get right down to it. Yeah. He did do that knee thing. He did. I know. And he still doesn't seem to have any, like, moves. <laughs> but I <laughs> but I think it works for him with this thing he's doing right now, because, like, he's got new music and, like, he's coming down doing these mannerisms. Like, he kind of, like, hangs his arm over the middle rope, mm-hmm. like, in this really lazy fashion. When he's walking around the ring he, during his entrance, he walks all lazy-like. And, like, the way he beat Yoshitatsu earlier was the super lazy way to win, to pretend you don't care so much that the guy comes after you, and yeah. then you beat him down and get the count-out victory. He's doing this character that's basically, like, I don't give a shit about any of this or any of you. And first of all, it works because he pulls it off, like, yeah, character-wise. Like, I believe that shit. Yeah, yeah. But... Secondly, it kind of works with his ring style because he doesn't have a ring style because he doesn't. He has like one submission hold and the chop block thing. And basically the rest of what he does is punching. Yeah. Corey Graves is kind of like liquid. Like he'll take the shape of whatever container he's in. It doesn't do anything. It's just sort of like, oh, look, it's in the shape of the container. So like whatever the (laughs) match is like, you're going, oh, oh, yeah. That's the shape of what that is. All right. Corey Graves is doing the thing. Yeah. Like, I really liked the the sequence that finished this match where they were kind of going back and forth. But you can't help but, like, notice that 
when they were exchanging these big moves or like attempting all these big moves and being countered, Sammy is like going for that big kick in the corner. He's going for that tornado DDT. He's hitting the, you know, the big thing that he does, the blue thunder bomb. Mm -hmm. And like Graves' version of that is like a punch, a backbreaker. And then like, he's going to try to do the backbreaker again during the finish of the match because he doesn't have any other moves. And I don't know why. I mean, okay. I don't know why either. I suspect that it is hard to wrestle. This is my theory. And that it is therefore difficult to acquire moves. It is not like a video game tutorial. And I guess then that it's entirely possible to be a working wrestler who has not but a single move, but you can maybe put over other people and that's your thing. That's what you're good for. I don't know. It's just so weird because he had been wrestling for like 10 years. Yeah, you think you'd pick up something. Maybe he can and like he's just not allowed to because I've definitely seen wrestlers who were like, no, you can't do that move. You're not allowed to do that because it's not it doesn't fit your character or it doesn't fit what we're doing for this match. And so like they have this back catalog of things they can do and then you only get to see it whenever they're like unleashed for special events or something and you're like yeah sure you can do it yeah. whatever yeah that's possible that's possible. i know that seems unlikely my suspicion is that he's just lazy <laughs> you know honestly i'm kind of okay with that as a person who likes a nap i can kind of right. respect that Corey graves has kind of ambled in here and gone eh, eh. <laughs> it's a paycheck <laughs> All right, Bob. Well, thank you so much for that breakdown. What did you think of this episode coming off of Arrival? This was one of my favorite episodes that we've done. I Yeah, you I said that to me in text form when you were watching yes, it. Yes, it, it made me go, is this what my future is like? This is insane. It is new stuff every five minutes. It is weird emotional beats. It is people breaking out new stuff and like new combinations. And it's wonderful. I really had a fun time watching it. I would not say this has the best wrestling by any means, but like, right. I think you've known me long enough to know that I'm not necessarily here to go. That match was incredible. I'm here to go. Yay. That was fun. Yeah. You're not going to be out here talking about like the crispness of a wrist lock or something. You no, know, I don't se. think I would necessarily know a crisp from an uncrisp wrist lock. <laughs> like, you know how some people go to the store and they're like really feeling up all the fruits and vegetables because they know what they're right. up to. Or maybe they just feel like they're supposed to do that. I'm not that person as far as it comes to wrestling. I'm just like, yeah, it looks like a wrestle. I'm really good at choosing fruits and vegetables, but I feel weird about it these days because like you go to the store and I'm like, oh, well, if I yeah. don't choose this one, you know, somebody else just, like have my it. hands all over it, then put it back. It's weird. I, but there are certain things you have to like. You can't yeah. just indiscriminately grab any avocado. That way madness <laughs> lies. <laughs> You're going to come home and you're going to have two that are basically mush in a little black bag. And then you're going to have one that you could hammer nails in with. You have to have to have to vet your avocados. You know, one of the things I think people really love about this podcast is that at any point we could descend into having a conversation about fruit. Yes. Um. (laughs) Noted in our iTunes reviews about how frequently we get into fruity tangents. Uh, well, another thing that our listeners love about our show, Bob, is the sights, sounds, and feels of pro oh, wrestling. Absolutely. So let us go into them. Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? Straw Boatman, <laughs> which is what we call Braun Strowman in our household. You and noticed, did you? I sure did. I was like, who's that tall gladiator man? Oh my God, that's Braun Strowman back in 2013 or 2014, I guess now. And yeah. it was a delight and he's doing a goofy thing. And right now in current WWE, he's like big, strong, scary man who smashes people. And in 2014, he's just a goofus dressed up in a cheap gladiator costume. And it's <laughs> great. And I love getting to see that. Absolutely. I was wondering if you would recognize uh, Straw Bowman. I sure did. All right, Miles, what did your elf eyes see? So actually, so very similar. Because it wasn't just Strowman in that crowd. There were a lot of uh, notable <gasps> wrestlers in that crowd. 
including a couple that I'm not going to talk about because they haven't debuted yet, so it would mm-hmm. uh, spoil a little bit for you. But definitely Alexa Bliss is there. Oh. Um, the guy who was the DJ. Okay. So you're actually going to meet him uh, as his NXT character like a while from now. But he's also Sammy Callahan from Impact. Oh. And uh, who's also Jeremiah Crane from Lucha Underground. Oh, that guy. Yeah. So he's in it. The dude who's like twirling the neon sticks or whatever it yes. is. Yes. That guy's going to be important soon. <laughs> the dude in the red and white striped like Waldoy costume, he's going to be important <laughs> soon. Like, there's just so many like Easter egg wrestlers uh, among the Rosebuds. I couldn't help but notice them. Oh, I love it. Love it. All right, Bob. What did your Vulcaneers hear? How friggin' coy Sammy Zayn is. Whenever Renee was going, what did Cesaro tell you? You know, this is the end of, you know, lost in translation here. Right. What did, what did Cesaro tell you after the match? It's really between Cesaro and myself. All I can tell you is that I got what I wanted out of the match. And I'm like, I think yeah. we all know what Cesaro said. And it was meet me in my hotel room at seven, no underwear. <laughs> and Sammy Zayn got what he wanted out of yes, that match. Yes, exactly. He got... <laughs> The absolute <laughs> fucking he deserved and desired. <laughs> Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? Sticking with Adam Rose, the music. Uh-huh. It was so interesting to me because his music is really good and the crowd is really into it and I really love what they do with it. But the thing is, is that at some point, and I don't even know when, at some point it's going to change. <laughs> at some point, it's going to be a very similar tune, okay. but a different tune. And that's the one that, like, everybody kind of knows and remembers really? as far as I am aware. And that's the one that, like, I can pull up my head whenever I want to. I can, like, I know exactly how his music goes. Like, I could sing it for you right now. But it's not the same. And I was like, I thought it was so interesting. I really love oh. the what the he's using. It was just so interesting to me. I was, like, expecting a specific thing and I got something different instead and I didn't know how to handle it at first. There is something about WWE that is, like, making a deal with the Fae where you're like, oh, you'll get what you wanted. And then you're like, oh, but not like this. <laughs> Alright, Bob. What did your human heart feel? Miles, I think I'm a rosebud. (laughs) Adam Rose is so much fun and like way more inclusive than Tyler Breeze. And I want to put it in this way. I feel like Tyler Breeze is for people who kind of have a shame kink. Like they sort of get a a thrill out of being told that they should feel bad. Right. And then Adam Rose is for people who maybe have a praise kink. Like he seems supportive of whatever, as long as it isn't boring. Like anything that's not boring. He's like, yay, that's great. Well, we hear the first instance uh, on camera of his phrase, don't be a lemon, be a rosebud. So Mm. I don't know. That sounds that sounds generally positive. Yeah, and it doesn't um, seem like it's hard to be a rosebud. He's not like going, oh, you have to look a certain way or do a certain no, thing. No, you just can like, just quite the be opposite. part of the thing and enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, and take like, these drugs. Yeah, obviously. Oh, for sure, take these drugs. <laughs> look, if you're not going to take them, can you at least carry them for me? <laughs> All right, Miles, what did your human heart feel? So still sticking with Adam Rose. For me, this was an all Adam Rose uh, <laughs> episode of Sight, Sound, Feels. I loved more than anything else the fact that he said the phrase and he said it twice, I think. Everything you know is about to change. I loved that so much. I was like, ah, you're doing the thing from whenever you did the other thing. Ah, I recognize it. Yeah, because that was the line from the Leo Kruger video packages when he was coming back when we first started our coverage. And the reason I love it so much is because, you know, in wrestling, you have to be prepared for somebody changing character. Like, if the thing, especially in, when they're in developmental like this and mm-hmm. what they're doing isn't working, they're just going to show up one day doing something else with a different name and a different accent and a different look, and you just go with it because you know there are performers playing characters, right? Yeah. But by inserting that line, mm. he is making it very clear that this is not a different character. <laughs> at least at least that's how it seems to me. This is legitimately Leo Kruger has discovered ecstasy <laughs> and, and oh my God. has had a complete and total crisis of identity, but seems so much happier. 
That is really, I like this textual reading of what's going on. I really appreciate this, and I accept this headcanon as my own now. It filled my heart with joy. Adam Rose is a gift. I gotta ask you, as you were watching all the Leo Kruger stuff, were you just like going, oh, come on, get to the Adam Rose stuff, get to the Adam Rose stuff? So I liked Leo Kruger a lot. Yeah. Um, I was waiting to get to the Adam Rose stuff just because I knew you would love it so much. Yeah. And because I didn't remember the beginnings of it very well. I wasn't always following NXT TV week to week. So I like kind of came in to Adam Rose after Adam Rose was already established, which is why I don't remember the old version of the music. So like for me, it's super fun to go back and um, experience it again. I mean, it's, it's kind of for the first time for me. Like, I don't remember any of this. I'm not sure I ever saw it. That's nice. I do want to say for the record, the performer who portrays Leo Kruger and Adam Rose uh, was at one point arrested for um, domestic assault. Oh, shit. Which I believe played a big factor in his eventual release from the company. Uh, however, all charges against him were eventually dropped. So for mm. whatever for whatever that's worth, uh, he was never charged or sentenced for any crime. But okay. he did. I, I did want to get it on the record that he did have that domestic um, mm. arrest. Well, I don't know so. how I'm supposed to feel about it, but I, I feel conflicted. And I guess that's the best we can do right now. Yeah. I mean, it's just a thing that that shouldn't be ignored. I don't you know, there's a million reasons that the charges could have been dropped. One of those reasons is that he didn't do anything. Uh, yep. But there are also numerous others that could have been the case. So, yeah. Well, thank you for letting me know. That said, the character is delightful. God, Adam Rose is so good. All right. Well, those were the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. It is about time for Wrestling Term of the Week. But first, I've been waiting for this. It is time for Bob's fanfic, which I'm very excited about this time around because I've been hearing some things about Bob's fanfic. And this one is explaining the wrestling history of the week from episode 40, in which we talked about the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars, Sable, Jacqueline Moore, the general um, objectification of women that was happening in the mid to late 90s. So uh, very curious how this is going to sound, Bob. Please take it away. First of all, Incredible thanks to Claire Mulcairn and the Mad Space Judge, Space Age, Liz Logan. Space Age! For the suggestion of these two characters. Miles, I apologize in advance. You do not really know who these characters are. Okay, um, that's fine. It's a thing you are never going to experience because I know who you are and I know what you like and this is not one of those things. Like everybody, <laughs> I know you would love Mass Effect, but I understand why you have chosen not to make Mass Effect part of your life. I get it. There's too many <laughs> things in the, in the day. There's too many things. Miranda Lawson looked at home in her evening gown. Jack looked like a feral creature that someone had dared to try and put a collar on. Sure, the match was for a championship, but it was really fan service with a belt thrown in the mix. Jack rolled her shoulders irritably while Miranda beamed that genetically perfect smile at the frenzied crowd. So whoever gets undressed first wins. Seems like bullshit. You're barely in that dress as it is, cheerleader. Miranda shamelessly pulled the dress down further over her ass. You complaining, Jack? Not like you to back down from a challenge. The bell dinged just in time for Jack to step forward and rake a hand across the shoulder strap of Miranda's deep red gown, shredding it. Jack raised an eyebrow. That cushy life you've led has given you some dumb fuck ideas about what a challenge is. I could get you out of this in seconds. Ah, but then I win. It's an interesting question, really. What do we want more, to win or to fight one another? Miranda tilted her head thoughtfully. Jack, do you want me out of this dress or do you want to win? Jack gave a bark of laughter. You think I don't see your little manicured hands itching to tear me out of this fucking getup? Miranda carefully reached forward and grabbed the collar of Jack's gown in a fist and tugged, a long tear opening up along the front side of it. Mm. Well, I am used to getting what I want, Miranda mused. Jack sneered, gripping the collar of Miranda's gown in both hands and tearing so her cleavage was spilling forward. It's one of your worst features, and you've got a lot of those. Miranda kicked at Jack, opening up a gaping split in the gown that showed off Jack's legs and the boots she was wearing. See what I mean, Jack said. So petty. Jack grappled Miranda into a bear hug and pulled the fabric stretched across her ass into two handfuls, ripping it apart all the way to the hem. Me, though, I'm generous. Just giving the people what they want. Miranda smirked and turned to give Jack a full view of her underwear-clad ass. Oh, just what the people want? What about you, Jack? What do you want? 
Jack growled and tore off the shredded remains of her own gown. The bell went. Jack had won. Miranda's expression was a perfect little O of surprise. Jack dropped to her knees in front of Miranda, grabbed the remains of her gown, and pulled it down around her ankles in one smooth move. Miranda primly stepped out of the shredded gown and put a hand on Jack's shoulder. Miranda smiled down at Jack. I see. Perhaps we should finish this in the dressing room. Jack bared her teeth in a grin. Oh, cheerleader. Finish this in the dressing room? We're just getting started. Well, I don't have to know the characters to uh, <laughs> to feel the steam. <laughs> Some very Attitude Era-esque shit going on there, Bob. Well done. Thank you. If only it had been, like, fun lesbian fan service. Yeah. That would have been fun. Ah, oh, that was awesome. Thank you so much uh, to Claire and Liz for helping out with, uh, with those characters. It's now time for Wrestling Term of the Week. We've had a few conversations about this, so let's actually get into it. Let's actually talk about it. The wrestling term of the week is mat wrestling or technical wrestling or catch wrestling, whatever it is you want to call it. So, like I said, we have had a few conversations about what wrestling fans actually mean when we say things like mat wrestling or technical wrestling. But honestly, in those conversations, I never really felt like I had a great grasp of the concept. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean? I can spot a technical wrestling match when I see one, but like, what is it and how do you recognize it? It's one of those things that I really had to think about. And then I had to do some research because, as it turns out, the answer to the question, what is mat wrestling, has its origins in the history of pro wrestling as we know it. Mm. So we've talked about pro wrestling's origins in the circus environment of post-Civil War America, but wrestling as a concept goes back much, much further than that, as I'm pretty sure everybody knows. Pretty much every culture in the world has its own historic take on wrestling from Greco-Roman wrestling to sumo wrestling. What we know today as professional wrestling is actually an American variant on one of these historic versions of wrestling. Mm. Specifically, a style called catch as catch can or simply catch wrestling, which originated in Britain around 1870, essentially the same time as those first post-war circus acts in the United States. The name catch as catch can means Something kind of similar to No Holds Barred. Mm. In most traditional wrestling styles, notably Greco-Roman, which is the other big popular European one, you're not allowed to grab your opponent anywhere below the waist. This results in a competition based primarily on size and power. In catch wrestling, you can grab your opponent anywhere, meaning it's okay to be a little bit smaller or faster. The name also evokes the phrase, catch me if you can, which Mm. suggests more of a fast-paced contest where the goal is to counter your opponent's offense with offense of your own. The colonial American version of wrestling (laughs) was basically just rolling around on the ground with your opponent, gouging their eyes and biting their ears. (laughs) Like back in the American colonies, there were two kinds of fighting. There was like boxing, which was the formal thing. And then there was rough and tumble, which was just (laughs) we're going to fight and I'm going to try and mutilate you. (laughs) Just scrapping. But for reals. But in the late 19th century, when all this was getting started, a wrestler named Martin Farmer Burns. I love old names. Popularized his version of British catch wrestling. He wrote an influential book on the subject and trained more than 1600 wrestlers. As a result, catch wrestling formed the foundation, not just for American pro wrestling, but for what's now called freestyle wrestling, which is a legitimate amateur sport. So the Olympics, for example, distinctly feature both Greco-Roman wrestling as an event and freestyle wrestling as an event. Okay. Now, obviously, different wrestlers utilize different styles that are based in the traditions of different cultures, but... It all rests on the foundation of catch-as-catch-can freestyle wrestling. Those are like the rules that we're operating under. That's the basis for all of this. So when you're a good wrestler, when you're considered a good wrestler, not a strong wrestler, not a fast wrestler, not a bouncy wrestler or anything else, just a wrestler who's like good at the fundamentals, the technical aspect of the sport, it means that your wrestling looks like catch wrestling. 
Okay. Within the artifice of modern pro wrestling, it means you're good at making it look like you're performing amateur freestyle wrestling like you might see in the Olympics. So this is specifically what people mean when they talk about mat wrestling or technical wrestling or catch wrestling or anything else. It means that you're doing it a very specific kind of way with very specific moves and techniques that would be recognizable to people who follow the actual sport of freestyle wrestling or in more modern terms, mixed martial arts, which also incorporates a lot of catch wrestling techniques, right? So this is why most of the best technical wrestlers are the ones who've actually competed in amateur wrestling or MMA, because it's easier to make catch wrestling look good when you already know the techniques involved. So for the purposes of recognizing it, it's any match in which they're doing things like circling each other with their hands out, trying to get leverage, going in and coming back out, treating it like a chess match. They'll grab a hold on one another, and then it'll be countered into another hold, and that'll be countered into another hold. Catch wrestling focuses a lot on counters. It emphasizes submissions, and it emphasizes what's called hooking, which is a really difficult concept to explain. Okay. So I'm not going to try. But it basically involves like how you're positioning yourself and how you're positioning your opponent. So. When you've got these like long technical wrestling classics, it looks like it could be a thing that's like legitimately done. So you're not seeing any punching. You're not seeing any kicking. You're not seeing anything that would get you disqualified in an amateur wrestling match. It's a lot of holds. It's a lot of like repositioning one another, picking somebody up and slamming them down and then trying to get them in an armbar or a headlock like you'd see in MMA, that kind of thing. So While there's not like a specific definition of it, you can recognize it by whether or not basically this looks like it would belong in the Olympics. Okay. And a lot of times pro wrestling matches will like start off that way, but then they'll transition into something else because they're obviously not actually following the rules. Because in pro wrestling, being good at the technical part of it isn't like a thing you do to win necessarily. It's a thing you do because you're the best. Characters who engage in that kind of wrestling are making good at wrestling part of their character, like good at the technical aspects of the sport, treating it like a legitimate sport as opposed to an artifice. And so that's why fans have it so much in their heads that being able to simulate this sort of technical style of wrestling means that the person is a good wrestler because that's like what good wrestling looks like. And because the people who can do it usually are good wrestlers, usually actually could out wrestle you if the contest was legitimate. Oh, okay. Is is any of this helping? (laughs) Yes, it is. I wanted to ask about the fact that I really love comedy wrestling, and I know that Mm -hmm. fans of serious wrestling or fans of wrestling don't always appreciate the fact that comedy wrestling exists or is allowed to exist. Some of the best comedy wrestling that I've seen has been technical in nature. And not always has it been comedy wrestling in the traditional sense of like, laugh out loud, this is japes and shenanigans, mm-hmm. but in a kind of, oh, that was very clever. That was very interesting. That was a good wordplay, except with using the body instead of language. Right. That made me think, well, why doesn't all technical wrestling look that way? But I suppose that if you are establishing a match as a kind of like, no, this is serious and we're here to do serious things. Having Johnny Saint roll into a little ball so you can't pin him is maybe not going to be the thing that wins you the world heavyweight title. (laughs) No. Well, I mean, it's playing on a trope, right? So like the principles of like catch wrestling, you know, in some ways sort of like form the alphabet of pro wrestling, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So like you can do things with them and combine them with other things and use that vocabulary in your own unique way. And one of the ways you can do that, you know, you can use like comedy to play on the tropes of sort of more traditional wrestling that tends to take itself very seriously. I mean, it's very fun to do, to see comedy that plays on the precepts of traditional wrestling Mm -hmm. because a 
technical wrestling aficionados and like people who want to see those five star wrestling classics. And like, I love them, but like a lot of people take this shit way too seriously. (laughs) And so it's just ripe for comedy. And of course, the other element of it is that if you can play on that language, it usually means you're good at it in the way that like. There's no way you could be Orange Cassidy or do the things that Orange Cassidy does without being a phenomenal pro wrestler. If Mm -hmm. he wanted to be a traditional pro wrestler, he absolutely could be and he'd be great at it. But because he understands it so well, because he's so good at the form, he can then play with it and do different things with it. It's like how you have to be a really great musician to do really great improv. Yeah, Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I guess in my head, I think of catch wrestling as comedy wrestling. Because, (laughs) I mean, whenever I see it done in a WWE ring, I don't think of it that way. But whenever I see it anywhere else, I'm always like, well, when's the funny part going to happen? Like, when's the aha moment? Like, the gotcha. There was a couple of matches uh, between Mike Quackenbush, uh, noted asshole, and Colt Cabana, noted sweetheart, and (laughs) them goofing around. And like one of the kind of mainstays of their dynamic is always like doing the finger wag of uh, not I'm you're not going to get me with that one. And then doing something to counter it. And then the other person goes, aha, you thought that. And then they're just giving each other these looks the whole time. And it's absolutely fantastic. And so I'm like, well, (sighs) Yeah, I get that you're doing a wrist lock, but come on. Can't you do some like playing to the crowd while you do it and give me a, like a sure. little, ah, you know, I see. And interestingly, uh, Farmer Burns, who popularized all of this, was also like very much into showmanship. Like he understood that element of wrestling. He, apparently, he used to do a thing uh, where he used to entertain people by hanging himself or like being hanged oh my god and like surviving using his neck muscles that is such post-civil war era bullshit yeah oh my god but yeah quackenbush and cabana are both like really preternaturally gifted technical wrestlers like and they both really understand that yeah they do part of of wrestling and you don't need a full understanding of that to be in the wrestling business. And you don't even need the full understanding of that to be like a major massive star in the wrestling business. What you need that base of knowledge for is if you want the fans to be like, Hey, that guy's a great wrestler. Mm. Like that guy's just a phenomenal technician or like that person just is so good at mat wrestling is so good at catch wrestling. Like they really understand the techniques and the principles behind it. What they're talking about is the traditional catches, catch can style that has been modified, you know, by years of being an American entertainment art form. I did want to ask you one last thing, which is. What does technical wrestling look like when it is bad? Is it easy to identify? Is it just that it doesn't look like anything? It looks fake. The more it looks to something that could actually happen, the better they're doing it. When you're doing mat wrestling, you're simulating an actual sport. You're simulating Mm -hmm. amateur wrestling. So when you watch amateur wrestling, it's very easy to see like that this is actually a wrestling match. And like, I'm sure people who watch MMA and amateur wrestling and like get really into the weeds on that look at pro wrestling and it's like, well, that's not how you would apply that. And that's not how you would do that, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's a reasonable facsimile of it. Whereas when you're doing it poorly, even to the casual viewer, it's obvious that this is an artifice. This is not real. I think one of the reasons that so many people for so long weren't sure whether wrestling was real or not is because of the really good wrestlers make it look to a casual audience like this could totally be a legitimate sport. Okay, I can kind of understand that. And a lot of the times you don't attempt like that kind of shit before you're ready to, you know what I mean? Especially Mm -hmm. not on television. And we're watching old NXT here. A lot of this is developmental stuff. You will see some technical wrestling, obviously, as we move forward, especially in the women's division. As the women's division continues to grow, you're going to see a lot of, uh, of technical wrestling as we move forward. We haven't seen a lot of it yet. But I did want to just make sure for you and for the listeners and everybody, if you're like going to wrestling, kind of wondering about that element of things that you kind of had a basis for what that was and kind of how to know it if you see it. It's almost like the introductory paragraph 
of most wrestling matches is, and here is some of this, as if to say, here's to establish the veracity of the thing, and now we Correct. get into the bat shit. That's absolutely the case. That, that's okay. why so many wrestling matches, almost all of them start with like the people circling each other, and one of them goes in for the hold or whatever, and then it goes to wherever it goes. That's a really, really good point, and something that, that I should have put in there, is that most wrestling matches start kind of at that baseline, no matter what they do after that. Because you want to start people off on the foundation. This is a wrestling match. This is what a wrestling match looks like. I keep lying about how many questions I have. Wrestling is also cultural. And so Mm -hmm. I'm curious the extent to which I don't know how much Lucha you've watched. But if in Lucha, if it's not necessarily used as the introductory paragraph, like you wouldn't go, yes, this is how we start things to say, look at how real this is. Or in like Joshi or in other Japanese styles. Do they frequently use it as the this is the precursor to establish for you this thing? Or are they like, nah, we're not here for that. We're here for this other thing. In like the modern era, for the most part, like all pro wrestling looks generally the same. Mm. Um, Oh, that's a bit of a sad. There are cultural tweaks on it. Absolutely. With Lucha Libre, with Japanese stuff like there. There are elements of Japanese wrestling, of Mexican wrestling that like you don't see in American wrestling. But like the foundation, the language that we're working with is all kind of the same. It all comes from this catch as catch can background because that kind of started in the States. You know, I started in England and then came to the States. Mm -hmm. And then that version of catch as catch can sort of then migrated out um, and, and then took on its additional cultural characteristics from there. So like what we know is Japanese wrestling was brought to Japan by Americans. And it's very, and for that reason, that's why it's distinct from sumo wrestling, which is the traditional Japanese form of wrestling. Okay. But pro wrestling, professional wrestling is an American thing. You know, a, a British thing filtered through an American thing that was then exported to other countries. Okay, that helps me understand a lot more of what I'm seeing and how to kind of think about what order these cultural modifications and like stylistic modifications came from. Oh, all right. (laughs) I hope everyone enjoyed that, uh, especially long and in-depth wrestling term of the week. Uh, Bob will be back with a fanfic about that. Yes. uh, Once they figure out exactly what they're doing with it. (laughs) Mm, There's too many things I could do with it. It's a real broad topic. This has been a jam-packed episode. We're going to get out of here, but we cannot do that before completing the cheap pop quiz. Let's get into it. You have four points in this fifth round of quizzing. Here is question number one. We don't really get a change in the commentary team for the next episode, but we do get the announcement that Tensai, who has recently retired from in-ring competition, will not be using the name Tensai anymore, but rather going back to one of his many, many, many previous wrestling names. Which one has he decided to go with? Is it A, Jason Albert? B, Prince Albert. C. A Train. D. Giant Bernard. Or E. (laughs) Baldo. (laughs) I feel like it can't possibly be Prince Albert because you put that in there specifically because you know who I am. (laughs) But that's not going to stop me from choosing it, Miles. That's what I'm fucking choosing. That is one of his old wrestling names. I didn't make that up. No, I know, but I don't think it's what he's going by. I think you purposefully put that there as a trap. But the thing is, is that it doesn't matter that it's a trap. I still want the cheese. (laughs) Fair enough. I don't know what you're talking about, though, just for the record. (laughs) Question number two. Next episode finds Bailey backstage in a segment that also includes Natalia and the BFFs. Oh, no. What is Bailey doing when the segment begins? A. Just hanging out with Natalia and getting ready for their upcoming tag team match. B. Dressing up like Natalia. C. Dressing up like Natalia's uncle, Bret Hart. <laughs> D. Playing with Natalia and Bret Hart action figures. Or E. Watching old Bret Hart matches on the brand new WWE Network. Oh, all of these are so plausible. Okay, I'm choosing the action figures one. Everybody loves props. Actors love props. I mean, the prop department doesn't mind getting a prop. All right. That's D, playing with Natalia and Bret Hart action figures. And finally, question number three. 
on the next episode, the Ascension Bob are back in action. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. After their dominant victory over Too Cool at NXT Arrival, what new team do they have in store for them? Is it A, yet another pair of random jobbers because time is a flat fucking circle? (laughs) B, Enzo and Cass. C, Aiden English and his new tag team partner, who you're meeting for the first time. D, Sylvester Laforte and his new partner, who you've seen as a jobber once or twice. Or E, two members of the Rosebuds. (laughs) Oh, I feel like at some point Aiden English ends up in a tag team and God knows they need it now, but I would not be surprised if it's A... But in sheer hopefulness that we are in a better, brighter world than the tag team wasteland of 2013, I am going to say C. C, Aiden English and his new tag team partner, who you're meeting for the first time. All right. And uh, we will be back on the next one with the answers to that cheap pop quiz. See if Bob got any more points. All right. All right, Bob. Well, I think that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Thank you for bringing me to the Consequences show. How did I already forget what the one that's after the Fallout show? There we go. The Fallout show. You know, if they had to rebrand, Consequences show isn't the worst thing they could go with. Thank you also to all of our patrons supporting us over at patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan. We could not do this without you, and we really appreciate your contributions. You guys are saints, and we love and adore each and every one of your little faces. That's right. And uh, we actually have a new face to love and adore, (gasps) Bob. We have a new signee here in the Next Wrestling Fan Federation, formerly known on the independent scene as Tori, which... Uh-huh. Uh, actually was the name of a professional wrestler, but we're not going to talk about her because she didn't have the, the greatest career ever. Uh, instead, Aww. let's talk about how we are rebranding Tori for our promotion. And I don't really know where this came from. All I know is I was looking at the roster and I felt like we mm-hmm. needed another heel and I felt like it should be kind of a high level heel and, mm-hmm. you know, Henry, a.k.a. Harry Bumblespike of Bumblespike Hall, remains yes. our champion. And they were the ones who ended the tyrannical reign of Watership Doom and all of his, you know, portents and his his stable of wrestlers, as we will uh, we will go into on the Ill Omens episode. Once I finally finish that and get that to you. Sorry, it's coming. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but that was only the tip of the iceberg. It, it's all well and good for Harry Bumblespike to have their unexpected rise to the next wrestling fan federation championship. But you always need that moment where, you know, you think you've beaten the bad guy and you think you've won the day. And then mm-hmm. it turns out there's someone even worse waiting in the wings or oh, yeah. someone even worse manipulating things behind the scenes. And considering oh considering that uh, Harry Bumblespike is sort of a fantasy-esque themed character, I decided that we're going to give Tori a sort of evil fairy queen gimmick. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm so here for this. I figured you would be. Tori, in our promotion, is going to be known as the Queen of Cobwebs, Morgan Mab. Oh, that's very, very good and such an NXT name. Thank you. I'm very proud of it. Uh, So, yeah, not a lot known currently about uh, Morgan Mab, but definitely seems to be some kind of manipulator pulling the strings. Doesn't get in the ring super often themselves, but definitely uh, aligns with various wrestlers and uh, pulls their strings and makes sure things happen in a certain way to their own ends. And, you know, when they do get in the ring, it's bad news. It's really bad news. So... I love it. Thank you so much, uh, Tori, for contributing to our Patreon. We really appreciate yes, you. thank you. Welcome to the family. And I uh, hope you like your evil fairy queen wrestling character. Speaking of uh, other things we need to thank people for, we had the Brody Lee-centric watch party 
a couple weekends ago mm-hmm. and it was really tremendous and we just want to thank everybody who showed up for that. a lot of people showed up for that one and um really just it was yes, really cool you. seeing you all there and, and we watched some some brody matches and uh it was a lot of fun we have another watch party coming up in april so uh be sure to stay yes. tuned for the announcement of when that's gonna happen and then bob i think you had an announcement Yes, I just wanted to let you all know that the romance bonus episode where we discuss a Duke in disguise is going to be dropping before the next episode of The Next Wrestling Fan comes out. So keep an eye out on the feed and you will get to hear Miles' um, feelings about <laughs> about eating the rich. I mean, I also have some feelings about eating the rich. I bet they're pretty delicious. Look, I think eating the rich is sexy. So what are you going to do? I know it's the most erotic kind of food play one can have. I know people talk about strawberries and stuff, but it's like, no, no, no. But but the rich. Also, we have officially reached our $150 goal on Patreon, which means there's going to be another bonus episode coming your way very soon. We are still compiling the list of uh, options for what we're going to cover in that bonus episode. So if you have any ideas, Mm -hmm. please feel free to send them our way. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for uh, being part of our community here and watching these old wrestling shows with us and talking about their butts and doing all the wonderful things that we do. Uh, We can't tell you how much it means to us to have you all along for the ride. And we hope you will join us in two weeks for another episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bye! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob, with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Sometimes I just feel itchy, and then it's like, is there a minuscule spider somewhere? Who knows? <sighs> Could be anything. There's all kinds of like little tiny things everywhere on everything all the time. I so, know. Like, Having skin is a weird experience. I mean, it's better <laughs> than the alternative, but it's a weird thing. I like the protection for my musculature. Yeah, I. I have to say, I'm a big fan of how it keeps in all my internal <laughs> organs. <laughs> always been you can quote me on that <laughs> love love what it does for my kidneys uh, in conversation with Megan Bob famous fan of the Dervis <laughs> noted skin appreciator Megan Bob <laughs> look some people are out here going skin and take it or leave it those people are fools <laughs> Uh. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Okay. Uh-huh.